Hi, it's Laurence Bradford. Welcome to season two of the Learn to Code With Me podcast, where I'm chatting with people who taught themselves how to code and are now doing amazing things with their newly found skills. The Tech Academy's 15-week software development bootcamp is one of the most thorough and comprehensive of any school. Whether you're 18 or 70, you can learn computer science fundamentals and a whole range of coding languages. Enroll this month for a special discount. Find out more at learncodinganywhere.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Learn to Code With Me podcast. I am your host, Laurence Bradford. In today's episode, I talk with Allison Esposito. Allison is the founder of Tech Ladies. However, she started her career as a journalist. Allison later transitioned into copywriting and marketing roles at startups and ultimately took on a position at Google. While working, she began the group Tech Ladies. Today, she runs Tech Ladies full-time. In our conversation, we chat about how Allison got into the world of tech, what it was like working and then quitting her job at Google, how she started Tech Ladies, and much more. Our conversation is especially relevant for those who love to write and do digital marketing, but also want to work in tech. Remember, you can get show notes for this episode plus a full transcript at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. Enjoy our conversation. Hey, Allison, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. So real quick, could you introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is Allison Esposito, and I'm the founder of TechLead. Awesome. And I want to go back, uh, I guess, maybe t- towards like the beginning of your career, because you weren't always working in tech, right? That's right. Yeah, I started my career in journalism, actually. I always knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, I just wasn't sure where I was going to do that. Uh, so started my career in journalism. I actually worked for the New York State Assembly for a short time. So I also worked in government um, before switching over to tech. I've been in tech for about almost six years now. Wow. So how did you like get your first job in tech? Were you specifically looking for jobs in tech or was it just kind of one of those serendipitous things that just happened? Yeah, well, I was talking to my friend who's an engineer, actually, and I said, you know, hey, I'm thinking about learning to code. And he gave me some really good advice, um, which actually is going to sort of sound like bad advice. He was like, why do you want to learn to code? You are a writer, and that's what you're really good at. Um, And I was like, well, you know, I just want to get involved in tech. I think there's like a lot of exciting things happening, and I want to build products and all this stuff. And he was basically said, you know, what you do is also needed in tech. Um, it's not as much of an obvious career path to be a writer or a copywriter, a content person or marketer in tech. Um, but I sort of forged a path there and doubled down on that instead of learning to code. I mean, I did try to code a little and I was super terrible at it. So I think it, w- it turned out to be good advice for me because I don't think I would have been good at it anyway. <laughs> so, so, so at the time when you decide, or, you know, oh, I want to learn to code. You're talking to your friend. What were you doing then um, when you, when you made this decision? I was working in a marketing department um, and doing primarily digital marketing. So I was really building up my marketing chops, which is good because you, I've used that at every startup I've worked at since, but um, I knew I wanted to do it a little bit more in tech. 
I started working with some friends on some slide projects where we would launch an app. I had a friend who was a designer, a friend who was an engineer, and myself, and we would put together, like, whole concepts for apps and put them together, put them out, like, have tons of failures and just learn from all the little things we were building on the side. I would definitely work on that a lot in addition to my marketing job during the day. So that's sort of how I learned before I uh, actually started working in tech full-time. And my first real tech job, I'd say, other than digital type of work that I was doing, I worked at uh, Foursquare and I was the copywriter there a few years ago. Yeah, that's really cool. So you went from um, being at a, like a, you were working in a marketing, sorry, did you say agency or a marketing department at a company? I was working in a marketing department, um, small marketing department and handling all the digital, uh, everything on the digital side. Um, and then, yeah, transitioned into doing more of UX copy. I had done writing in all of my marketing jobs in the past. But I decided that I wanted to do that, like, full-time in tech. So there was a copywriter role open at Foursquare, which was a great opportunity because Foursquare has such a strong brand voice. Um, and they had had that since the beginning, um, which attracted a lot of people to their products. So I got to learn a lot about how um, to maintain a voice for a brand and develop a voice for a brand and, and grow with the brand and grow with your audience and things like that. Yeah, so I'm like so interested. So you are a copywriter at Foursquare, and what? And, and then you also mentioned this term UX copy, which uh, for the listeners out there, I've talked to Allison before on the phone, and we actually had a conversation about this because a lot of what I do at my new job here at Teachable is or definitely relates to like uh, UX copy or product copy, as I like to call it. Uh, so could you kind of like dive into that just a little bit for some of the listeners who may not be familiar? Sure. So I think what's going to happen to a lot of people if they get some kind of copywriter title at a startup, whether it's like a five-person startup or a 150-person startup, you know, some, some smaller-sized company, is likely that um, you will work between the product teams and the marketing teams. That way, um, you could just be like the writer on staff and be used in both areas. And so for products in UX copy, you would be doing something like working with uh, developers and working with designers on product flows and wireframes and figuring out what the messaging will be. So that's everything from like what does what does the screen say to what does the button copy say? How do you keep people engaged in the flow so they keep tapping to get through the next step? I think it's a really important and uh, underutilized and underappreciated part of product and um, could even be considered part of design. Um, and at different places you know, most startups don't have a copywriter on staff. So either designers or sometimes developers are just writing sticking copy in there. But I think a lot of people will notice a huge uh, improvement in their product and in how many people are using and relating to their product if they actually put somebody on that team who knows how to write and engage people and keep people in the flow. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. Um, and a lot, I feel like a lot of what I do here relates to um, UX copy or product copy, even product copywriting, working across teams. So with people on the product team and with people even on customer care and the marketing team. So really kind of 
touching all those different sides because it, it's, it's funny you don't really think about it but all of the copy whether it's emails whether it's in the product itself so yeah but you mentioned things like buttons or sidebar titles and then of course there's other things like when you update make an update to the product and you have to send out an email to the user so like what is the messaging going to be like there's just yes yeah, so many things that writing we're writing and communication skills are important oh definitely and it's overlooked at a lot of places and I think that companies really suffer for it. Um, just sometimes putting a writer on your team, you know, you, that, that affects open rates. That affects, you know, how many people are going to stay in using your app and, and open it every day and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I think a lot of people think of it as like window dressing, but it's really um, as important as design. And I'm hoping that, you know, in the next couple of years, this continues to be something that people are hiring out for just because I'm really passionate about it, um, brand and voice and companies. So, uh, yeah, and then I, I went on to do that uh, at the next company I was at. Uh, I was at a smaller startup called Oyster. Um, after I was at Foursquare, um, much smaller team, like 30 people. So I was doing a lot more of uh, actual, like, full-stack marketing type of work, but um, still got to do a lot of copywriting on the side as well. Yeah, yeah. I see. Um, I'm looking at your LinkedIn now that you were a, sorry, your title, marketing manager at Oyster. So I got to do pretty much everything related to marketing um, and copy and creating the brand voice and working with our design team on that. Yeah, I love the term um, full stack marketing. I've heard it before, but only I think since I moved to New York. I don't, I'm not sure if I actually heard that the whole that phrase because, of course, we think of full stack development. But could you, yeah, could you just explain that to to the listeners as well? Like, like what you mean when you say full stack marketing? Sure. I mean, I, I don't know if it's a great term or if we should take it away from developers or anything like that. I have no idea if there's strong feelings about that. So. I apologize to anyone listening if they feel strongly against that um, for any reason. But basically what I mean when I say it is just that, you know, obviously there's two sides to being really good at marketing. One is understanding people and being able to communicate really well with them. The other side is really analytical and being able to pour over numbers and look at your user growth and figure out growth strategies. Um, And so I think like, uh, what I mean by full stack marketer is really somebody who can do both and all of that and switch tasks and just be a, a marketing person and uh, that handles it all. And I think that at startups, if you work on the marketing team, you're likely going to have to do it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually had a job posting up um, several months ago and I think we, we called it, I don't think the actual job title was full stack marketer, but that was like one of the keywords that we were using in there because exactly as you said, we wanted someone that uh, had both the communication skills, but also like the analytical and could yeah, you know, analyze different sets of data and make marketing decisions based on that. So yeah, that's super, that's super awesome. Yeah. And you were at, okay, so you're at force or I'm sorry, you're at Oyster, which then, and then you kind of from there, it was acquired by Google. Yeah, so then I joined Google, and I was with Google for about a year, and I just left recently to run TechBase full-time. I know. That was one of the things that I, like, jotted down that I wanted to ask you before we started recording, but I wanted to save it because I wanted to ask how things have been since you quit uh, your full-time job because I know there's so many people listening right now who want to work in tech and they want to have a full-time job, but then there's also a ton of people listening who are learning tech skills so they can either start their own business or do consulting or freelancing or whatever you'd like to call it. So how has that switch been? Switch has been great. Um, I think I was really ready for it, but I think more importantly... Uh, tech ladies was ready for it so meaning by that I mean that like what we're doing 
has enough momentum to warrant me working on it full time, I definitely have enough to do every single day. And most days it feels like there's actually not enough hours in the day to do everything we want to do. Um, I think that that's a really important thing if you're thinking about either going freelance full time or like leaving your full time job for your side hustle. Um, something I just I, I've learned a lot and thought a lot about in the months proceeding leaving my job to go do it is is how do you really it like validate this idea um, because you have to validate several things you have to validate like your idea for your either your company or whatever you're going to work on figure out like how sustainable it can be and figure out personally like how much uh, how risk averse you are and how open you are to uh, changing course and all that kind of stuff so I was 100% ready for that personally um, so that's been good it feels like a, a real match for me to be running my own company um, and community and uh, it's been really fun working out really well so far so I'm just like super curious because before I had a full-time job, I actually never had a real full-time job. This is my first real full-time job. And I know like personally, like the transition, um, my first month was was definitely uh, challenging, uh, not necessarily in a bad way, but it was a big, it was kind of a really very big life change with for me, especially on top of that, moving to New York. So I moved to a new city. So there's a few changes happening at once. But like, how has it been in your day to day? Like, have you been loving it? Or are you kind of like missing like the whole work environment that you were in before, especially at such a large uh, company like Google? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not missing it at all. I mean, the only thing that I'll say is that I really miss the Google food, um, which everybody knows is incredible. Um, that was just such an incredible part that they had. I missed that. But I've adapted. I started cooking more. I'm taking care of myself. So that's fine. But um, that, that's the hardest thing if you're leaving like a really great tech company is you're leaving all these perks and then you're just going and working alone at home. So how do you adapt to that? Um, for me, it's the hardest thing has been creating structure to my day, but I've, I've almost got it down pat. It's only been about four and a half weeks since I left. Um, and in the beginning, I was still on this schedule of, um, I was working on tech ladies from like six to midnight every night after work, um, and most weekends. So I was like a real workaholic for the months leading up to it because tech ladies just, it was just like so lively and happening that I wanted to keep putting time and energy into it. And it was so fun, um, that I was working a lot and had no life and that's not healthy because you can reach burnout status really quickly. So when I first left, I was like, Oh, it's, this is going to be so great. I'm going to have all these new hours in my day, but I just filled them up with too many things. So uh, the first week or two, and I started to really realize like I have to create a structure for my day. Um, and so my new goal is like start my day at 7am and end it at 7pm. So that's been that's been working well. And it's not, it doesn't have to be straight work all the way through. Like maybe I go grocery shopping or cook dinner somewhere in there. So that I'm doing you know, something normal with my day other than just staring at a laptop and working. I'm finding some balance. It's slow going, but I'm getting there. Sit tight podcast listeners. We're taking a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. The Tech Academy is a licensed career school that trains students in computer programming and web development. Become a full-stack junior developer at the 15-week software development bootcamp, suitable for those of all ages anywhere in the world. 
Learn computer science fundamentals in a range of coding languages, including HTML, CSS, and JavaScript at one of the most thorough and comprehensive coding bootcamps. No tech background or previous experience necessary. After completing the bootcamp, the Tech Academy staff can help you launch your tech career through the job placement course. It really works. 95% of Tech Academy graduates land a tech job with an average starting salary of $60,000 per year. Enroll this month for a special discount. For more information, contact the Tech Academy through their website at learncodinganywhere.com. Yeah, that's a really great point, like creating structure. And I feel like I could, I, I can imagine going from, I mean, I can't imagine because I haven't done this, but I can just only imagine that going from having you know, a full-time job and a side project and like working so much and just trying to make the most of like every minute and just never really relaxing to, to then almost feeling like you have I don't like so much time, but I feel like it just, I, I feel like going from having a full-time job and then the side hustle and then to just the one thing, but it must feel awesome at the same time. Cause it's like, you can just put all your focus in one place. Right. Yeah. I think it feels so awesome because I'm so excited to be working on tech ladies and it's like a, it's cheesy to say, but it's like a real dream come true. You know, it's like this thing that started as a, a coffee meetup for women in tech in New York and, has since grown to be this really robust community of 5,000 women who live everywhere. Um, and there's just so much help that happens every day in the, our online group. And we're helping women find jobs, which feels really good. And we're helping companies find women who work in tech, um, helping them solve that sort of pipeline problem of, of being able to increase their diversity efforts in one really easy, simple way. And that's been like super rewarding and it, and it all kind of grew naturally, but um, yeah, it's like the most fun thing I've ever worked on. Yeah. That's so, yeah, that's so awesome. Um, and I know you, you gave some advice before about people making the decision to quit their full-time job to uh, pursue their, whatever it is, freelance career, business, side project, whatever you want to call it. Uh, is there anything else you could say? You did say validate the idea and make sure it's sustainable and make sure you're like 100% right, which I think is great advice. But is there anything else you can think of on that topic before we move on? Sure. Yeah. Well, I would say like you're never going to be 100% ready. So it's, what you need to ask yourself is, um, is what you've built on the side growing faster than you can even keep up with it on the side. Right? Like if you can still get it done in two or three hours after work and, and you have those two or three hours, um, if you're lucky enough to have two or three hours after work where you're not taking care of a child or someone else, um, then that's amazing and you can do that. Fine, you can fit it in your schedule. But if you can't, um, you have to figure out, can I really fill up eight hours more a day with clients or whatever it is? Um, so... I think it's risky to do it if you're not sure that you can like fill it up to a degree, um, get where you need to be to a degree. But on the other hand, like you can't wait until it's 100% because it's never going to be 100%. Um, so it's always going to be risky and it's always going to be scary. And I don't think you should wait for that feeling to go away. But if you can get traction and you can look at it, like picture it if it were a graph, you know, if the graph is just going up, uh, that's a good sign that if you were to leave, like, and put your full attention on it, 
on what you're working on, it's going to keep going up. If the graph is kind of going up and down in terms of the graph could be anything, it could be clients, it could be um, amount of money you're making. For tech ladies, it's like one of the main things I look at is like how many people are joining? Are people still interested in this? And that was just going up like crazy. So then the question became like, well, how can I still serve this community and provide value to them? And it got to the point where I couldn't do that part-time anymore. Um, so yeah, I think that that's one way you can validate it is just to be analytical about it in that sense. But then you're still going to have to like be brave and go with your gut. And um, I'd say the other thing, really important thing to do is if you're thinking of making the jump is to get buy-in from people who are closest to you. So often what I think happens in talking to other people who've also left their jobs to either start a company or freelance full-time or whatever their side hustle is, um, a lot of people, they, they know very early, like, okay, my business is there. And then they tend to know, and I'm there, I'm ready for this. And I'm ready for this uncertainty. And the thing that can hold people out for months or sometimes even years of actually going and doing this is they're just simply too afraid to ask those closest to them. So maybe it's a partner or a husband or wife or like could even be a parent or something. Um, oftentimes people are just too afraid to have that conversation and say like, hey, I'm thinking about doing this full time. Like how will that affect our family or how will that affect your view of me or anything um, you just need to know that other people are along for that journey with you because you, know, you don't exist in a vacuum. So I think that's a lot, that's something important that a lot of people don't realize about making that switch. It's not just all about you. Yeah, no, that's, that's such awesome advice. Thank you so much for sharing. And um, there were, you mentioned uh, in your answer about getting traction and I'm just curious, and you, you then also said that one of the things you look at is how many users you're getting every day and if people are still signing up and, and, and that the, um, the graph and the curve has been going up uh, ever since you started. But I'm sure when you first started Tech Ladies and it was just like a coffee group meetup, maybe you didn't feel that way necessarily. I know, at least speaking for, for myself with Learn to Co with me and the blog and the podcast, it took me months to feel like I was getting anywhere at all. I felt like early on, I felt like I was no one was paying attention. And I mean, that mostly was the case. It took a lot of time to build up, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Did you feel that way with Tech Ladies or did it seem to grow really fast pretty quickly well I think something I can't remember who said this but somebody said this about business that things that look like they happen very quickly uh, when you look at the backstory it turns out that they were actually happening for a very long time and that's true of tech ladies too like the coffee meetup has been happening for two years like it was started two years ago I started it when I was at early on at Oyster um so I've had two jobs since then, you know, so this is a while ago now since we were building this, but it wasn't something that I put a lot of time and effort into um, until really like maybe six or seven months ago and only left, you know, about a month ago to work on it full time. So I think it was one of those things where on its own, it was growing as soon as I started to, you know, like water the plants a little bit, it started to grow a lot. And then I realized if I, I water and feed this plant a lot it's growing like crazy um so yeah I think that that's uh one one way to look at it yeah so so okay so you started the coffee meet about two about two years ago you said and I love that yeah, you had two jobs since since starting um the the meetup group and you said then about like six to seven months ago so maybe like one and a half years or a little more after starting tech ladies you got 
um, really serious about it. Yeah, what happened was I had this, well, a few things. Like, it was growing on its own, for sure. I had the idea. At first, we were just a New York-based meetup. So I started looking around and thinking, like, for all my friends who've moved to San Francisco that are engineers or also in tech, you know, they would they'd be great to keep in the group and they would like drop out when they moved to San Francisco. And it became clear, like, what am I doing? Why is this just a New York thing? This is something that women need everywhere. Um, so then the first thing I did was open up tech ladies everywhere. Um, and that's when we started growing really, really fast. And then um, I put out a medium post a few months ago and said, you know, if anybody has, we've, we've grown the list to however big it was then. I think tech ladies only maybe like a thousand or two, 2,000 members at the time. Um, and I said, then if anybody, you know, has, would like to post jobs in front of this community that I've built, um, you know, we're a bunch of really smart women in tech. And I think these are, are great women for companies to get in front of if they're looking to post jobs. So I put that out there on Medium. And my original idea was just to put about like six jobs in a newsletter every week. And there was so much response that I started not being able to fill up the newsletter. Like it would have just been a giant newsletter of jobs. So uh, that's when I decided to create a website for it, which was something we needed for a while because it's where we got an application process for joining Tech Ladies. You have to apply. Um, so we have that all set up now. And that's kind of like phase one of Tech Ladies becoming a real company. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And I'm, I'm a member on the website, um, yeah, hiretechladies.com, and you create an account, and then it gets approved, and then you get access to a private uh, job board that is password protected. Yep. We have a weekly newsletter and we have an online Facebook or online group, but it's a Facebook group uh, with about 4,000 members in that group. And we have themes for things we discuss and it's really active and the women in that group are so awesome and so helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's a great group. And side note, um, I love the way that you structured it with like the um, the hashtags, like hashtag intro, hashtag like ask, hashtag offer, right? There's a few of those. Yeah. Um, it's really structured. I think that, that that's so wise. I'm just, I, this is completely self-fulfilling, but did you, did you do that from the beginning or is that something you introduced later on? That was something I just was learning. The, the bigger we got and continue to get, um, we constantly have to think of ways to make the community relevant to everybody in there. So, you know, like in the early days, it was just everything. You could post anything. Um, and it was a small enough group and there was a, you know, there were only, you know, a few posts coming in a day, so it wouldn't overwhelm anyone. Um, so we do it for two reasons. Like one, to keep the flow of information readable and, and useful. And two, to just encourage people, like to give people a guideline for what to talk about and how to use the group. So that's worked really well for us to have those. Yeah, I think it's such, it's like such a smart idea. And I wonder why, because I'm in pretty many Facebook groups and across industries, not just tech. And it's, it's, I wonder why not more people do something like that or other ways to like find structures um, or to find structure within like a Facebook group. Yeah, I think it depends on the community manager. So like for us, our community is, it's everything in tech ladies. Um, so it's worth it to us to really think like, how do we organize this? How is this useful for people? Um, and we have uh, an extra moderator now who's adminning the group alongside me for a while. I was just doing that alone um, in addition to everything else. So it's, it's good because uh, the bigger we get, the more admins we need to get, you know, to make sure that it stays 
like a really useful active community, but that takes time and effort. And I think a lot of people who run Facebook groups, even if they're really large Facebook groups, you know, they just, they put it up there for discussion, but they don't really uh, maintain it. It's like with a community, you really have to be in there. It's extremely time consuming. And uh, that's something that's really important to us with what we're building with Tech Lady. So it's worth it for us to spend that time on it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's fantastic. And um, so kind of looking ahead now, what things are you most excited about with Tech Ladies? Well, there's like a product roadmap for Tech Ladies now that I'm excited about. It's just there's so much we could do. Um, and the way I refine it is sort of like what what does the community seem like they need? And then I'll just ask people in the community, what, what do you want Tech Ladies to do next? Um, so the next few months, we're sort of heads down on just really improving the job hunting experience. Um, we're building out a way to search by, you know, marketing, search by engineering, um, and have those roles surface based on that. Um, down the line, we want to do, you know, there's just simple stuff we don't have because at first I created this uh, site myself <laughs> and I told you earlier that I'm not good at coding. So this is based on a template. Now I have a web developer who's working with me and helping me build out to be something um, a lot more functional. So that's, that's the next thing we're really looking to is to really improve the job hunting experience for folks because so many people come to us for that. Um, and then we're also just really busy planning incredible events. Our big event cities where we do New York City and San Francisco where our large tech ladies organized events are, but also members can organize their own smaller meetups in whatever city they're in. So figuring out how to support those and make those really great so we have um, online and offline interaction with each other. Yeah, that's so wonderful. I'm so excited to see um, like the new job hunting experience that you're building and then the way that you're going to um, continue to organize and, and grow these different events across the U.S. and hey, even international, right? Yeah, yeah. We have international people in the group. Um, it's very U.S.-based just because, you know, every we have never spent a dime on marketing. Everything we do is word of mouth. Um, so it's mostly people who know people and then, you know, it becomes, U.S.-based, or maybe somebody reads an article. But we've been getting more and more people. We have members from Africa, a lot of European members coming in. They're really everywhere, Singapore. Um, and we're seeing little groups pop up within the group. So I'm really excited to see that grow. As, as we get, like, really big, I'm really excited to see that. Um, I also want excuses to travel. So having Tech Ladies member-organized meetups in cool cities, like, that I've never been to. Um, I'm always hoping that they'll have, like, let's do a Paris meetup. Let's do Dublin. Let's do Singapore. Let's make it happen. Oh, that's so awesome. That's such, I never even considered that. I mean, that's, that's, that's a great, I mean, yeah, a great way to travel as well, right? Have all the, have the international community and get to go visit in the different, like, international hubs of the world. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but I think it very well may. I get, I get emails from women and all over the world who want to organize meetups. So just kind of waiting for it to come together. Ah, nice. All right, Allison, thank you so much for chatting with me today. And where can people find you online? Sure. People can go to www.hiretechladies.com. Uh, fill out an application to join us. Uh, if, once you're approved, you'll get into our secret jobs page and you'll have an uh, invite to our Facebook group and all that good stuff. So Awesome. I would love for people to join. Yes, definitely. We'll include all the links that you mentioned uh, in the show notes to this podcast. And yeah, thank you again so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. 
I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Allison. Again, the show notes for this episode plus a full transcript can be found at learntocodewith.me forward slash podcast. All you have to do is type in Allison's name in the search bar at the top and her episode should appear first in the results list. If you enjoyed this episode, head on over to my website, Learn to Code With Me, where you can find even more awesome code-related content, like my 10 free tips for teaching yourself how to code. Thank you so much, and I'll see you next week.